It's time for another edition of Dome and Domer, the only podcast for Notre Dame fans by Notre Dame fans. If you're looking for cogent analysis and unbiased opinions backed by careful reporting, you've come to the wrong place. For the next 20 minutes or so, you'll get a fan's perspective on the Fighting Irish without all the normal spin from the so-called professional analysts. It's Dome and Domer. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Brammer and Ed Jordanic. All right, Coffee, we're going to just jump right into this. Obviously, the question I threw at you last week. Well, you really week. are anxious. You're not going to say, welcome to Dome and <laughs> no Dome. Intro, right? no, like, no, no, let's, let's talk to the guy who's hated tax. Brian Kelly for 12 years <laughs> and is the happiest, jolliest a-hole this size of the, this side of the nuthouse today. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, here's a quick, real good prediction. Notre Dame's odds of winning a national championship in the next three years went up or down over the last 20 Oh, up, 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 up. Amen to that. Absolutely. I think between, I mean, I, I am of the mind that college coaching is important. I mean, look at Lou Holtz. He was able to put together game plans and stuff that could maximize Notre Dame's chances of winning. But I also think what's just as important is enthusiasm and energy and just being able to inspire the players who are playing for you. I mean, we all know players who played for Holt who would just walk through a wall for the guy. And there's a reason for that. Right. I think you talk to players who played for any of the last four nitwits that have gone through here since then. Very few of them are going to say, oh, yeah, th- those guys are sprite. Marcus Freeman strikes me as the kind of guy who can engender that kind of enthusiasm or that kind of just energy and it's really what the program needs right now, in addition to the infusion of talent that he's already helping to bring in. Yeah, from a recruiting standpoint. Ed, are you concerned at all that, I mean, here we go again with uh, elevating a guy with no head coaching experience to one of the top programs in the country, if not the top, in terms of reputation and everything? I mean, it, we, we got bit the last time we did this. What's different about Freeman? Well, he's not a jackass like Charlie Weiss about David. You could start with that. I mean, there's, no. there's there's a couple points. Good. Yeah. Listen, I mean, of course, of course, it's a. There's all kinds of data points for people to, you know, you could talk about Dabo and Ryan Day, and you could talk about Lincoln Riley, and you could talk about, um, you know, who am I? Who's who's the one I'm missing? I know there's another one in there that have been well, very successful. Well, Kirby Smart, you know, yeah. none, none of those guys were head football coaches and they've all made the playoff. Right. So, yeah. um, listen, I think that, uh, you know, s- some, some dynamic leaders are, are sort of are born, not made. And, and Marcus Friedman seems to have the Kavorka, right. He seems to have that special thing that gets young man, men to, believe in him and to trust him, believe that he has their best interests at heart. Um, that's an incredibly powerful thing, especially in this day and age. Um, you know, relating to these kids is a lot more important than it once was. Um, you know, coaches in our day were, you know, they were father figures, they were authority, but they were really authority figures. Yeah, um, Bobby Knight. I mean, that's... You, never, you never even heard the term players coach until about the year 2005. I mean, exactly. <laughs> it just exactly. Um, so, so, yeah, of course, you know, but, but, but I think that, you know, you can, you can grow into the nuts and bolts of being a, a head coach, um, but you can't sort of just suddenly learn how to connect with parents in a living room or kids on a, on a uh, 
on a, uh, you know, in the bleachers after a game kind of thing. So to me, you know, the game is so much more about the Bobbies and Joes than it is the X's and O's. Um, and for that reason alone, you know, I think that this is a chance, this is sort of a, a calculated gamble that Notre Dame has to take. And that Swarbrick and whoever's in charge of making this decision, it sounds like it's kind of exclusively him. Uh, credit to him for seeing that. Um, and, you know, when you th- think about think about like, okay, if it's a short-term disaster and blows up in, in your face, I think the chances of that are, are pretty are pretty low. Um, and you're going to be doing it with a really good roster because you, you expect the recruiting momentum to continue. So the, yeah, the program's, the program's not going to be worse. Yeah, the program's not going to, the foundations of the program, I don't think are going to be worse off in three years, no matter how quickly Marcus Freeman adapts to being a head coach. Um, and he'll, he's got a, you know, he's got a reservoir of really good people. I mean, he's not going to be in competition with Luke Fickle anymore for a big job. So, you know, he's yep. got, he's got all kinds of people in his, in his wheelhouse that he can lean on to sort of figure some of this stuff out. Um, and Tommy Stain is a big deal. I'm really curious if Elston will be the next defensive coordinator. I'm really curious if Polian will stick around. You know, by the end of this week, Notre Dame might be a really stable program, and Brian Kelly might have his two sons as his only hires. Yeah, um, I'm so. telling you, it's it's interesting. I, I do want you to comment on that coffee. I mean, because I, I kind of know where I think you're going to come from on this. But were, were you? You think? Well, I, I mean, I was a little surprised <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, this day and age, to to kind of see what we saw unveil here with the way Kelly departed. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I it's, it's, look, I don't want to sit here and take shots at the guy. Look, I mean, he, he had a hell oh, of a I do. Can I please, please <laughs> but you know, I just, man, I just, you really kind of scratch your head a little bit and think, okay, you could handle this a little differently than you did. Well, see, that's the thing. It's, it's the whole Frog and scorpion story. I mean, I am not shaking my head one bit as to how this went down because this went down in the Brian Kellyest way possible. I mean, look at the parallels on what happens when he came from Cincinnati to Notre Dame. The minute he got the job he wanted, he just like shook the dust from his feet and walked out. That's how that's how he does things. This is the guy who 48 hours after getting his ass kicked in the Orange Bowl is sitting in Philadelphia doing an interview. Brian Kelly cares about Brian Kelly, and that is the main reason he has never truly – I mean, he's, he's had small S success. To have capital S success at Notre Dame, you have to believe in the place because Notre Dame is a very distinctive place. It's a unique place. We have uh, – there are hurdles at Notre Dame that don't exist at other schools, and we've talked about this before. But I think when you walk into a job and your first thought is, I need to push, I, I need this, I need that, there are hurdles here, as opposed to walking into the job and immediately having an enthusiasm for, I'm at Notre Dame, this is great, and I'm going to make things happen here. It's a 180-degree difference in attitude, and that's why I think Marcus Freeman is going to capital S succeed where Brian Kelly, capital F-A-I-L-E-D, fails. <laughs> I, I tend to agree with you. I, I, I do think he's got a lot of charisma. I think he's got a lot of intangibles that just really relate to college football today. I think Ed nailed it. Um, but, you know, the, the world is different. It's the players' coaches are the ones that succeed the most. And I think guys like Urban Meyer kind of figured that out and, and morphed into that. Brian Kelly never seemed to adopt that at all. He just – Oh, no, wait, 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 wait. Oh, come on. 
He did in 2016. The last, the last five years didn't happen by accident. Now you could make the argument. No, but I think he let I let, he let the assistant. It happened by necessity. Yeah, but I think he, I think he let the but assistant it still with that. Yeah, True. I did. Well, no doubt. But no, no, I don't know, Ed, because I've I've talked to guys that were just recently on the team, and that was their exact comment to me was he's not a player's coach. I mean that that was the exact words he said to me. I'm not going to name who it is, but. In any event, well, the number uh, of times you throw them under the bus, I don't blame them. Well, I, I just think that that's, you know, look, I don't uh, again, I'm, I don't want to sit here and take shots at Brian Kelly as he's walking out the door. But yeah, I, do. um, I don't think you would was, call I don't think you would call Nick Saban a player's coach, would you? Well, I think he's morphed a little bit into that now. I, I now I don't well, know. But so well, so is Brian Kelly morphed a little bit into that. I, I necessity, think, like Mike says, I mean, here's the thing, Brian, you could you could say that it was a it was a well executed act. But the fact of the matter is, is that Brian Kelly changed his approach over the last five or six years, and it was very successful. Yes, no signature wins, but you know, no, nobody, nobody wins double digits five years in a row besides the top four or five programs in the country, and he was able to do that. So he's he leaving, he's leaving the cupboard, and the, the, Brian Kelly is responsible for Marcus Freeman agreeing to take this job. Brian Kelly is also responsible for Marcus Freeman coming to Notre Dame and not going to Louisiana State last year. So, you know, we can we can kick him out the door uh, or we can kick him as, on his way out the door as much as we want because of his stylistic deficiencies. But the fact of the matter is, is that guys like Mike have this really romanticized version of a football coach. And there's only like three schools in the country that have what guys like Mike Coffey wants. That's Pat Fitzgerald, Scott Frost and Jim Harbaugh. And only one of those guys has proven himself to be a really, really good football coach, and that's Harbaugh. They want somebody who went to their uh, school that they went to that bleeds and is emotionally invested as they are in the program. And that just is unrealistic. There's, it's hard it to find that. I don't, I, no, see, I, I don't think they have to be like heart bleeding and emotionally invested, but they can't be emotionally disinvested. I think there's a difference. When Brian Kelly arrived at Notre Dame, Notre Dame was his stepping stone job to the NFL. That's all it was. The problem is, if you're going to be that way, if you're going to if you're going to say, yes, I'm here to do a job, fine. But then when you lose games, you shouldn't lose. You're going to hear you're going to hear about it. Well, I'm not saying he's above criticism, but what I'm saying is, is that you you don't stay at a job like Notre Dame for 12 years and you don't, you know, win over 100 games. If you're not I mean, maybe you could say, OK, he's just like he's not an emotional person or he's not. But you, you, you have to put an incredible amount of personal effort and sacrifice into doing something like that and making it work. He's not a freaking robot. OK, so, yeah, it, it, stylistically, you know, it's not it's not your thing. I get it. But in terms of just the 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 technical execution of the job, I, I don't you know, I, and, uh, both, well, both, things, it, both things can be true. OK, true. You can not but like his style. What's, what is your prediction Ed, for what? What what is Brian Ge- what's Brian Kelly going to do at LSU? Well, I, listen, I, I personally think that he's going to struggle a little bit, but not for maybe the reasons that 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 Mike does. I I think that what he's what a bad Brian, fit. I, I mean, if, on on the on the surface, he's a bad fit for LSU. I don't think it makes any sense. I'm well, kind of scratching my head over it. No, but see, the the thing is, is that I I think you know. I, I, I don't know why he would be a bad fit. I mean, he's a really good football coach, um, and he'll he'll ha- he'll have you know a real a bunch of really talented players, and he'll there'll be plenty of young guys that he'll populate his staff with. That'll you know he will run like a CEO, 
Ed Ogeron, you know, couldn't manage a, a Wendy's, right? right. I mean, so, <laughs> he could so, eat his way out of one. But. Well, well, the fries wouldn't taste very good. But. <laughs> yeah, well, they'd probably be excellent, actually. Um, I think Ed knows how to eat, <laughs> but, like that, but he doesn't know how to coach. But, but you get my point. What, yeah. what LSU needs right now is an incredible amount of high-level, competent sort of organization. And they, they don't need, they don't, you know, the, 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 the hires are always sort of like, you know, sort of a, a reaction to the guy that just left. You know, Marcus Friedman's strength is his relationship with his players. Yep. By all accounts, that was not Brian Kelly's strength. Ed Ogeron's strength was relationship with his players. Brian Kelly's strength is running a, running a program. So, you know, I, I, I but, but the reason, so I, I think Kelly's strengths play to exactly to what LSU needs right now. The reason that I think he's going to struggle a little bit is because I'm not convinced that he wants to work that hard anymore. I agree with you. I think he's and, there for three years and then he's done. And, you know, Tommy and uh, Lance and the new guy, the, the new safeties coach, whose name ex- escapes me at the moment, and Marcus Friedman. I mean, those guys are in there. You know, they, they have a lot of, of energy. <laughs> um and I'm not convinced that, you know, and maybe Brian Kelly can run this thing from 30,000 feet and, you know, make the right hires and, and get that energy kind of flowing through that program and, and not have to. But but the reason I think he's going to struggle a little bit is is that I'm not convinced that, you know, he's going to I mean. He, he's he's really going to have to lock down Louisiana for one thing. Yeah, and I'm I, think, sure. I think I think. I, I agree with that. Recruiting is going to be his Achilles' heel. Is what's going to happen well, to him. I just don't think he's. Be, I, I don't think he's going to be talking to a five-star in Georgia, coming into the living room after Nick Saban, and win most of those head-to-head battles that's right. for the best I, D linemen, you know, the best running backs or whatever in the South. I, I, I'd be surprised. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but well, I know, think you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, I think so, that's completely exactly agree with you. So, so, yeah. so that's why I think he's going to have some issues. Um, <clears throat> Um, and, and the other thing is, is listen, you know, he's not big game Brian. And in the SEC, you have at least three or four of those a season, right? You don't have yep. like, you know, Oklahoma and Norman every every decade or, you know, Clemson in, in Clemson, you know, once every four years or whatever. You don't have, you know, a, a, like he kind of lucked out. Like, you know, he was at Notre Dame when USC was a pile of trash. You know, that's going to change for Marcus, I think. You know, his, and that's going to help Notre Dame because Notre Dame needs at least one sort of game against a USC type opponent. Now, they may not need that as much if we go to a 12 team playoff, but you get my drift. They could have no, really used a good USC on the schedule this year, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. that, would have, that would have helped a ton. Yeah. Well, it is going to get interesting real quick. I mean, obviously, he's, his first game next year is going to be a big barometer, but. You know, look, well, his, I, his, I, his first game in a couple of weeks is going to be at least yeah, some, if we end up against Michigan. I think Michigan State. And now, I, I I still think we're better off not in the playoffs. But I think if we get screwed out of the playoffs, that's going to suck. But if if we go to Arizona and play Michigan State, I think that's a great setup for him because I, Michigan State is ranked. It's a major bowl. I don't think Michigan State is as good as people say it is. Their pass defense is supposed to be not very good. And. That is definitely a winnable game for him to cut his teeth on, so he's not walking into the uh, to the horseshoe next year, uh, being a head coach for the first time. Yeah, I, well, I I'll tell you, I I still think it's fifty fifty on the playoffs. I, I'm I'm totally convinced Bama's going to lose. Now I know that everybody mm-hmm. says you think that, but you're you're underestimating Nick Saban. But I just don't. I really don't think Bama's that good. They're not as good as they've been, and they're going up a team, especially on offense. 
they're going up against a, the very best Georgia team that they faced in the last 10 years. Who I mean, unfortunately this, had for them has a great defense. So yes. it's, it, it's so strength they, they against. They don't even match. Yeah. They just don't even match up well with this. Now could, you know, could, could weird things happen? Yeah, I guess. But I mean, I think the reality is Georgia's going to beat Bama. And then I, I don't know. That, that, no, no, I, I should caveat this. I'm the same person who thought Michigan was going to get their doors blown off last Saturday. And what <laughs> <laughs> I th- yeah, you and shows what, but, if, um, if you're looking for cogent analysis, you've come to the wrong place. <laughs> but uh, you know, look, I, I think if if we're the last one loss team, there's no way they skip us. Not with Freeman coming on board. It, it's and, too, I mean, if, if you look at the, I mean, logistically, you're absolutely correct. For the we're the last one loss team, we definitely should be in there. But I got to say, this is too good a story to pass up. Can you imagine putting Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman in the – imagine they go to the playoffs oh and, and they, they, win a, they win one game, let alone two. That yeah, would be or even amazing. Compete. Or even just compete, right? Yeah, so, like a, a two-point loss in the in the final minutes, everybody would be freaking thrilled. Yeah, the place would go up for grabs. Uh, it is going to get interesting. But even like you say, if if we don't make the playoffs, he's going to have one hell of a tough opponent uh, in that New Year's Six. And um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot will be said uh, for how that gets handled. I don't. I, I'm not going to put much into it. I mean, look, the guy's you know just now stepping into it. Um, there's going to be a whole lot of distractions for him over the next, you know, month. And, um, and so, Hey, it is what it is, but, uh, well, I, I do think the, this is what the early signing period has gotten us. Unfortunately, I mean, if, if NLOI day was in early February, like it always was, yep. that's like yep. 1 million percent less pressure, but they've got to make sure the recruiting class sticks around, prepare for the bowl game, uh, maybe hole up any holes in the, I guess Quinn's going to be going with, uh, with Kelly to LSU. So he's got to find someone who, who can coach offensive line at least for this game. And then, so that's, that's a lot to have to do in a month. So yeah. I'll be interested yeah, exactly. to see how he does it. Yeah. yeah it's going to be real interesting. Uh, the, the, um, uh, but I, you I know, think when you look, when you think where, you think where this could have gone sideways, I mean, there's a lot more stability than I think any of the three of us, probably thought there would be maybe, you know, 24, 48 hours ago. So no yes. my, co- my copy is exactly right that, you know, there's, there's a lot on the plate, but I doubt they're going to lose any, you know, um, defensive recruits. Um, he seems no. to have, you know, I mean, I think, I think they probably, their chances of keeping Snead are better. I mean, although, you know, it, it, it always cracks me up. I mean, remember these guys, these recruits, they spend most of the time, you know, their their lead recruiters are are you know Reese for offensive guys and and Marcus Freeman for for defensive guys and I wonder if they process at all the fact that like you know they're not going to be around <laughs> these guys as much as they would have if they would have stayed coordinators or I mean they're not going to be around Freeman as much as if he would have stayed a coordinator you know like he's in other words he's not going to be their their guy there's going to be another defensive coordinator you know true um, but you unless he- well, usually the the coordinator on the same side of the ball, so to speak, as the I mean, the, I, I think Freeman will still have an influence on the defense. But you're right; oh, sure. he's not, he, not going to yeah. be the day to day guy. He's but, not going right. to be the day to day. The fact that he'll be there, I think, will help. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I mean, I just think it's it's interesting. Um, and and again, we always forget that um, you know, with some exceptions, um, we're recruiting guys who have sort of bought into this idea that it is the school and the program more than the coach. I think that there's a, there's sort of a level there. I and mean, we, we don't often lose guys 
because an assistant leaves. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how this class turns out with a head coach that's left. But I, I kind of get the impression that that uh, you know that our chances of sort of uh, of retaining most of the guys that we've that we expect to sign, uh, even for early enrollment, you know, which is what that day's in next week or a week from or two weeks from today. I, I think it's next week. Yeah, um, you know, look look to be pretty good. But anyways. Um, well, no, I, I, I think Ed is 100% correct. And you look at what's happening in Oklahoma right now. I mean, right. Uh, a couple guys want to go to USC. And, and now with the transfer portal and you don't have to sit out, that's that's a big, big consideration. So look how many guys at Oklahoma are jumping off the ship. Meanwhile, not only are very few players even thinking about you, none of the assistants want to leave. I mean, that's the, the, right. the, 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 it's an incredible affinity for, as, as Ed said, it's it's committing to a program rather than to a coach, and there's huge, huge value in that. Now, I don't know what you guys are hearing, but I did hear uh, earlier tonight that Reese is not a guarantee yet, that he's kind of still considering. Is there? No, 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 no. He's no, already he, on video telling the guys he's staying. So. Oh, okay. All right. It's so that, very, that, very, if, if, if it's out, if you if our loyal listeners, if you haven't watched that speech, you really should. I mean, that's – uh, I mean, yeah, again, I didn't affinity see to the that. program. That's yep. what that's what yep. keeps stability in situations such as these. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's uh, it's going to be fun times for us, I think. Uh, not only this weekend <laughs> to watch some football to see how the things unfold, but just you know, heading into the bowl game, I think there's just going to be a lot more unveiling of you know exactly who Marcus Freeman is. And I, 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 get, I, I was on the fence as to whether or not I was going to go to whatever postseason, but I think I'm definitely in now. We're end up going. My ass is yeah. going to be there. No, I think so for sure. I, I think it's, um, it's interesting the ups and downs that have occurred in the last 24, 48 hours, because uh, I think the initial shock of it right up, right from the get go was kind of like, wow, like I, I just, you just didn't see that coming. Um, but then after <laughs> processing it over the last 24 hours. And just kind of knowing, uh, and I'd love to be a fly on the wall and and understand what happened at that meeting and what, how did it get testy? What exactly does that mean? Like what was said, that would be, I, I hope that story does come out because I'm kind of dying to figure that one out. It seems kind of strange that, you know, Freeman would say something to Kelly in that situation, but um, rumors at this point, I didn't hear anything about what was said other than, it got testy. <laughs> so, um, well, yeah, but you know, I mean, uh, interesting. I think one of the one of the things that uh, is going to um, sort of, you know, I think happen, you know, over the coming years is is that um, there's going to be a very sort of relation, different relationship between you know Notre Dame fandom and D Nation, if you will. Um, you know, with, with Brian Kelly than with somebody like Jerry Faust who had, you know, zero success. Um, yeah. And it kind of goes back to what Coffee was talking about. Like, you know, there was an affinity for the place. Um, and, um, and, and, and Brian Kelly, sort of the vibe that he always gave off, um, especially sort of, you know, in those, even when he tried to sort of change that, change his tune, um, he had put enough um, sort of, uh, you know, kind of um, sort of deposits in the selfish bank <laughs> that it was really hard to sort of completely buy in to what he was selling the last five or six years. 
And that, um, now he went ahead and did it, um, uh, but you're never quite sure you weren't getting, you know, the, the Boston politician when he was talking about what Notre Dame meant to him, uh, you know, when he was talking about a special place and, you know, all the things that we knew that when Holtz was saying them, he, he really felt to the bottom of his heart. Um, and yeah, he was, he was, you know, he was spinning the whole time and, and figuring out ways to use that to his advantage recruiting wise and, you know, PR wise and all that kind of stuff. But he definitely loved the place. Um, now, you know, I have no idea, um, how Marcus Freeman, you know, really feels, um, about Notre Dame, but it's obvious that he's not, um, that he, um, adapted very quickly, uh, to the environment when he got here. And um, that people, not just on the, not just in the football program, but people that he encountered, um, encountered sort of a genuine guy who wasn't kind of, you know, looking, looking over their shoulder at sort of the next, um, next opportunity or next, you know, who was, who was, who was, who was, was going to bigger deal. And, and Kelly always kind of gave you that, you know, that, that sort of, I'm the smartest guy in the room and I'm playing you um, vibe. And, and that's going to be his, that's going to be his legacy. Um, you know, and, you know, I, I just think that it's, it's, it was kind of a job, you know, to him. Um, and that's, that's kind of not what we all want deep down. We want, we want more than that. We want somebody who's, who's sort of, um, you know, who's really all in heart and soul, not just mind and you know, mind and body. Um, so, yeah. so here we go. We'll see. Yep. We'll see. Yeah, it's gonna be, well, I'll tell you, three years from now, it's going to be real interesting to, to revisit this conversation because <laughs> we're going to know an awful lot. But, um, well, interesting times. Let's hope for uh, let's hope for some uh, really quick predictions. What do you what what does your gut instinct tell you that's going to happen this weekend? Coffee, you don't think we're going to make it. You think Bama um, loses, but that's it. I think Bama is going to lose. I think. I'm not sure about Cincinnati. I think I don't know how distracted Fickle's been this week with the Notre Dame job being open. But and Houston's not a bad team. Uh, I think Michigan is going to get upset. I think it is really hard to come back. They were on a huge emotional high on Saturday, and now you got to come back a week later. I mean, we all saw what happened in '93 playing Boston College. So. You go up against uh, a motivated opponent. I think we're going to finish four, and I think we're going to get in. Oh wow! And we're, and wow. we're going to the Orange Bowl to play Georgia. Wow! That would be fun. I I, I do think that it's going to be more likely that Cincinnati loses than Michigan. And the only reason I say that is because I think Harbaugh will kind of turn it around. I think I think you're exactly right. I think the huge emotional ride that you experience in doing that is going to affect them in the first quarter. But I kind of think that Harbaugh is smart enough to sense this coming. And, and I do think he is a good football coach. I think a lot of people knock him for not beating, uh, you know, Ohio state, but I, I just, I do think he's a good football coach. I don't think there's any way to if ands or buts about that. And I think he's going to put them back on their, uh, back on the right track. But I, I could definitely see Cincinnati, like you say, with Fickle being a little bit distracted with everything on the line. I mean, you talk about pressure. Those guys have it this Saturday. And uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But I, I, I actually think Alabama's going to win or it's going to be very, very close. And the only team that I think is going to – I think that, that Baylor is going to beat Oklahoma State. And I think we're going to get host. And Alabama's going to be four. Um, 
and uh, yeah, either, if, either if they do yeah, that, they'll be a huge. Alabama's either going to be four or or two. You know, it might be Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, Cincinnati, or it might be Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Alabama, because Alabama loses really closely to Georgia. But I just have a feeling that they're going to stick Alabama in there if it's closer. And obviously they will if they win. Obviously, if Alabama wins, Georgia's still in the top four. And that knocks us out um, because I think Michigan will win easily. And I think uh, I think um, but I, I do think Oklahoma State's going to lose. I kind of agree with you, too. I, I, I don't think Oklahoma mm-hmm. State's going to win that game. That going to lose. Interesting. All right, well, we'll leave it there. You've been listening to Dome and Domer, an online conversation about Notre Dame sports from a fan's perspective. For Ed Jordanik and Mike Coffey, I'm Mike Brammer. Thanks for listening.